Happy Monday and welcome to Not Boring. This is a special one. It's Not Boring's one year anniversary, so I decided to turn the pen around and write about Not Boring. Let's get to it. This has been the wildest and most rewarding year of my life, both personally and professionally. Our son, Dave, turned six months old yesterday, and Not Boring turned one on Friday. A year ago, we knew that Dave was coming, but I had no idea what I was going to do. I'd quit my job, launched an in-person company that got crushed by lockdowns and was probably a really bad idea anyway, and to top it off, I caught COVID the week I decided to start writing Not Boring. I was lost. Since then, somehow, with all of your help, I built my dream job. Over the past 365 days, I've written and sent 417,000 words, that's more than all seven Chronicles of Narnia combined, grown from under 500 subscribers to over 42,000, run a syndicate which has invested nearly $2 million in 14 startups, generated more revenue than I've ever made in a full-time job. I legitimately didn't believe this was possible. I would see people with big followings on Twitter or big subscriber lists and think that they had some special je ne sais quoi. I still think that it could end at any moment. Today, I want to share the not boring story as honestly as possible. It often looks way easier from the outside. With lessons I've learned on writing, growth, business models, investing, and creator psychology sprinkled in. We'll cover getting here, the journey, per my last email to Not Boring Club to Not Boring, growth, luck, shares, ups and downs, Tommy, the writing process and psychology, the business model, the Not Boring Syndicate, and the present and future of Not Boring. If anything in the story seems planned, premeditated, or in any way clean, that's just my brain going back, filling in gaps, and connecting dots. As much as I write about strategy, this story is about working hard even when it seems silly and following serendipity. My biggest lesson so far, this is neither as impossible nor as easy as it looks. The winding and uncertain road to not boring, per my last email. I'm cheating a little when I say that it's not boring's one year birthday. I wrote a different newsletter, per my last email, for almost a year before. In early 2019, the board at Breather, where I worked, had just brought in a new CEO, who himself was in the middle of bringing in a new, experienced executive team. A couple of weeks into the new regime, Ben Rollert, who was then the VP of product at Breather, now the CEO of Composer, and I presented at an exec team offsite about the need to differentiate and dig moats in an increasingly crowded and bubbly flex office market. We got cut off halfway through with something to the effect of, moats? This is a big market. We don't need to worry about moats. We have a brand. That's what Apple has. I realized that my brain was going to shrivel up and rot if I didn't do something. Ben's always been smarter than me. He saw the writing on the wall and quit. I couldn't quit right then. I managed a 150-person team and didn't want to abandon them. So instead, I used my annual learning and development budget to take David Perel's Rite of Passage course. That was one of the best decisions I've ever made. One of the assignments for the course was to launch a Substack and get 20 people to subscribe. I reserved packem.substack.com, which has now been taken by some random lady on the internet, named it per my last email, and begged my few hundred Twitter followers to sign up. I said, I'm taking a writing course. This week's assignment is to get 20 people to sign up for my newsletter. Please save me from the ignominy of having to ask people to sign up for my newsletter individually and sign up here. It's called Ethel's Newsletter now, as you'll see if you look at the link in the post. Two days later, I had 28 subscribers, and we were off to the races. I wrote per my last email on the side, spending a few hours each weekend or early in the morning curating links to essays, books, podcasts, and videos with a dash of commentary. It grew to about 400 subscribers in 11 months. 
It didn't make a dollar, and I didn't expect that it ever would. But I had always told Pooja and my family that if I ever got really rich and retired early, all I'd want to do was read and write and talk to really smart people. Per my last email, let me start doing that in a small way. As someone who'd been so singularly focused on work for a decade, it felt good to have a hobby. Lesson, make room for hobbies, even just a few hours a week. Not Boring Club. Writing was also a way for me to test out a startup idea I had in a really lightweight way. The idea was Not Boring Club, a mashup of social club and continuing education. So House meets college extracurriculars for busy grown-ups. I wrote about education in IRL member communities to make sure there was a real opportunity. One of the problems with being good at writing is that you can convince people that bad ideas are good. You can even convince yourself. In October 2019, I quit Breather to start it. I wrote business plans, memos, started a debate club, made decks, built a website, and tried to write my way into a business model. I couldn't quite figure it out. I knew what I wanted to exist, but the business model wasn't clicking. The people around me, my sister, Pooja, even my mom, tried to gently tell me that this was not it. They were right, in hindsight, and in the back of my mind even then. So obviously right. But I persisted and announced the launch in a blog post. Thankfully, I didn't raise money or sign a lease. Instead, I decided to start experimenting with a Slack group and a series of in-person events. By February, I started onboarding the first 150 free members with a series of small group dinners. On March 10th, we had to postpone a welcome dinner, then a debate club, then the next dinner, then the next dinner. We quickly moved Not Boring Club online with cocktail making classes, lightning presentations, book clubs, trivia nights. One day, I was sitting on the couch frantically making slides for that night's trivia night. Pusha kind of gave me a look and I realized how fucking ridiculous it seemed. How fucking ridiculous it was. That night, eight people showed up to play trivia. That was the final straw. I needed to do something different, but I couldn't figure out what. One thing I knew for sure, I was a terrible online community leader, and I kind of hated it. If I'm being honest, COVID was a good excuse to erase my mistake. The Not Boring Club went on the back burner. The lesson, don't be afraid to admit that something you thought was a good idea turned out to be a bad idea. You'll know it in your gut. Trust that instinct and cut bait. Not Boring Newsletter. One year ago, I was locked in my Brooklyn apartment with COVID, feeling incredibly stuck and a little hopeless. Not Boring Club was on indefinite pause. In February, Pooja and I found out we were having a baby, and I had zero income. The pressure was on. My brilliant plan? To turn the newsletter into something that could at least pay rent at some point in the future while I tried to figure out what I wanted to do next. Maybe it would even help me find a new job. At the time, I had weekly coaching calls with my mom. Yep, you heard that right. On one of those calls, when I told her that the newsletter was the thing I was enjoying the most and that I wanted to give it a shot, she said, why don't you change the name of the newsletter to Not Boring? So I did and announced the change in the last per my last email in late March, 2020. When I sent the email, there were 473 people subscribed to per my last email. I got aggressive and changed my goal from 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year to 1,000 subscribers by the end of April. At the time, I thought end of April was synonymous with end of quarantine. After I announced the name change, I got a few replies saying, oh man, I love per my last email. I called my mom and said that I thought I'd made a terrible mistake, that I'd messed up on the newsletter too. Things were dark, but then they started to look up. The biggest change from per my last email to not boring, other than the name, was that instead of curating links, I started writing long, okay, very long, essays myself. When I started writing, I wanted to write about tech and strategy, but I thought the space was too crowded. With Not Boring, 
I went back to the things I wanted to write about all along, the things that I cared about and spent my free time reading and talking about anyway. It got really fun really quickly. I wrote about Jeff Bezos' fashion flex, then I wrote about creative destruction through the lens of the Mickey Mouse Club, then Supply Gluts and Hey Arnold. I realized that I could write about the things that I liked writing about, strategy, finance, economics, and tech, even though they were crowded, as long as I wrote about it with my own unique voice. That was a huge unlock and a lesson in counterpositioning. Counterpositioning, my favorite of Hamilton Helmer's seven powers, is when a newcomer adopts a superior business model, which the incumbent does not mimic due to anticipated damage to their existing business. Technically, combining strategy, finance, and pop culture isn't a new business model, nor is it better, but it's still a moat. Ben Thompson might be better, smarter, more experienced, and more popular, but can you imagine Ben Thompson explaining creative destruction with an image of all of the Mickey Mouse Club members all grown up? Now, I wasn't intentionally counterpositioning. There wasn't that much foresight. I was just having fun. In hindsight, I realized that there aren't a lot of serious analyses out there that don't take themselves seriously. Because when people do serious analysis, they put on their serious analysis pants. The pop culture thing was a lucky accident. After that post last April, something started to click. People were sharing, not boring. It got picked up by the Financial Times. Subscribers grew 53% in one month. Not boring was still tiny. I think it was like 800 people but it started to find that elusive product market fit. Plus, people were stuck at home and bored. It was time to start focusing on growth. Lesson, lean into the intersection of what you're passionate about and what's different about you. Growth, luck, shares, ups, downs, and Tommy. In May, 2020, one year into writing a newsletter, I wrote looking back, forward, and up to reflect on a year of writing and set goals for the future. My first goal was to hit 5,000 subscribers by the end of summer and then turn on paid subscriptions. From that piece, I said, goal number one, grow to 5,000 subscribers by Labor Day and 10,000 by May 21st, 2021. I said, it took 10 months to get to 500, but less than two to get from there to 1294. I'll be testing a bunch of tactics over the next few months to get to 5,000, but the most important will be continuing to to improve the content and provide more value so that you want to share it with your smartest friends. But how to grow. Last April, my brother Dan and I retreated to the beach, shaved off our overgrown pandemic hair, and brainstormed. We decided the best path was to come up with a list of 100 growth ideas. We got to 11 and did maybe three of them. I'm not a growth act person. The most important growth levers over the past year ended up being really simple. Quality and consistency. Show up enough for good things to happen every once in a while. From the 473 people that received the last per my last email, we're now at 42,205 a year later. That's 8,803% growth. That growth did not happen in a straight line. Not Boring has grown through a series of fortunate events and a lot of help from friends and internet strangers. A few of the highlights. Polina sharing per my last email in the profile. In November 2019, Polina Marinova shared per my last email in her excellent newsletter, The Profile, after I won a contest to receive a tote bag full of some of her favorite books. I picked up 49 subscribers in two days, and I thought that was the most incredible thing in the world. Thanks, Polina. Asking people to share and launching Not Boring. While I wrote for my last email, I was afraid to ask people to share. It felt so self-promotional. So I buried the ask at the bottom of the emails. When I announced that I was switching to Not Boring and making it a thing, I asked people to share front and center. I said, normally, because I get physically nauseous when I have to ask people for help, I hide my ask to share this email with friends all the way at the bottom, buried beneath so many words that most of you probably never see it. But today, I'm putting it front and center. If you enjoy or get value from per my last email, please help me get to 1,000 subscribers by the end of April by doing any of the following. 
forward this email to friends and telling them to subscribe, share on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook with a short note, or share within your existing community or company slacks. People did, and over 100 new subscribers joined that week. Tommy, product hunt and referrals. In May, I linked up with my friend Tommy Gamba, who came up with a few big unlocks. First and foremost, he said that we should set up a landing page for Not Boring so that we could launch on Product Hunt. He built a landing page using Usmo. I sent an email introducing the homepage to our 1,885 subscribers, and we launched on Product Hunt. Because people read that email and went over to Product Hunt to upvote, we ended up as the number two product of the day and in the top five for the week. We more than doubled subscribers in two days, from 1,700 to 3,600. I remember having dinner with Pooja in Athens, New York as the signups rolled in and realizing for the first time that this actually had potential to be my full-time thing. That would not have happened without Tommy. Thank you, Tommy. Tommy also launched a referral program through which many of you have invited over 2,000 people to join the Not Boring family. Thanks to all of you for telling your friends. Special props to the top three referrers, Joachim Yardenberg, Hunter Walk, and Johannes Sundlow. Writing essays that people share. After Product Hunt, Not Boring started to pick up momentum. The more people that there are reading, the more people who might potentially share. This has been the biggest growth engine for Not Boring, and it's been totally unpredictable. Some weeks, I write things that I think are great, and no one shares them. Others, I'm embarrassed to hit send, and they blow up. A few of the most popular posts include Tencent, The Ultimate Outsider, and Tencent Streams, Stripe, The Internet's Most Undervalued Company, APIs All the Way Down, Power to the Person, and Excel Never Dies. In each one of those cases, the essay may or may not have been good, but it was picked up and shared early on by somebody with a following that people trust. That's been the formula. Write a bunch of essays, and sometimes people will want to share the ones that resonate most with them. Random dumb luck in Twitter. So much of Not Boring's growth has come from dumb luck. A bunch of people subscribed after a tweet that I had about Amazon's investor slides went viral. Dan Turan included me in a list of newsletter writers he likes reading in May. And I remember watching my inbox that night and seeing names of people I couldn't believe would ever read what I wrote. Just yesterday, Webb and Lenny including me in lists of writers they like brought in over 100 subscribers. And there are hundreds of other examples, big and small. I'm missing a ton of you, but every time I see anyone tweet about Not Boring, it means a lot. Shoutouts from people that other people trust go a thousand times further than me saying things about Not Boring ever could. The past year has been a series of me turning to Pooja in disbelief, saying, whoa, Person X just tweeted about not boring. I love Person X. Holy shit. Some of those people have become good friends. I hope that never stops feeling mind-blowingly cool. There have been countless small examples of being in the right place at the right time, and often that right place has been Twitter. I've made great friends there, and I've gotten the chance to interact with so many of you. To join the conversation, follow me and say hi, at PackEM. Not boring subscriber growth looks like the hockey stick that startups dream of, but that masks a lot of the bumps. Every time I write something and it doesn't do well, and every week subscriber growth slows, I feel like the whole thing might be coming to an end. Lesson. Sustainable growth comes from a consistently quality product that people want to share. Growth hacking doesn't work long-term, but it does help kick things off. Writing process and psychology. Even though not boring has grown so much faster than I expected it would, I can't shake the feeling that each week is going to be the last, and that soon, you're all going to wake up to the fact that I'm just some idiot in a basement writing about things I'm deeply underqualified to write about. A few weeks ago, I went on ConvertKit founder Nathan Barry's podcast. A writer I really respect reached out after listening and wrote, I'm listening to your podcast with Nathan Barry. The fear of lack of interesting topics. I literally thought it was just me. It's not. I think it's everyone. 
The number one question I get about not boring is what my writing process looks like. How do I choose what to write, research, and put out two essays per week? Let's take the last one first. I was a runner in high school. I didn't look like a runner. I was kind of fat, but I was good. Steve Prefontaine was a hero, and this quote of his is one of my all-time favorites. I can endure more pain than anyone you've ever met. That's why I win, because I can endure more pain. I'm writing this on Easter Sunday. I've been up since 7 a.m. after sleeping six restless post-COVID vaccine hours. I'm physically and mentally exhausted. But I've been at the computer for eight hours today. I was at the computer eight hours yesterday. I don't think I'm smarter than anyone, but I do think I can outwork everyone. I haven't taken a day off this year other than two days I had COVID, the four days after Dave was born, and a week around Christmas, including weekends. Seven days a week, 352 days of the past 365. That's not a brag. I wish I could take time off. It seemed particularly silly when I was making no money on this newsletter and had to turn down socially distanced hangs with friends or dinners with family to write it. I couldn't be luckier that Pooja was so understanding. I don't know if I would have been. But I'm genuinely petrified that each week, if I don't give it everything I have, could be the last week that Not Boring grows. Even just taking those four days off for Dave's birth, growth slowed from a consistent 1,000 new subscribers per week to four to 500 for the next few weeks. This is a momentum game as much as anything. That's what I mean when I say that doing this is neither as impossible or as easy as it seems from the outside. It's taken a ton of hard work. Part of the need for hard work comes from my lack of process. I have a running list of topics that I want to write about in Rome, and every week when I look at it, I realize that I don't want to write about anything on that list. Instead, I spend a lot of time on Twitter and talking to people to figure out the most interesting companies and things going on that people don't quite understand, and then I try to understand and translate. For a Monday piece, that typically means figuring out what I'm going to write about sometime on Thursday afternoon or Friday morning and starting to research. For APIs all the way down, I knew that APIs were important, but I didn't quite understand what made them special. Then Stripe and Shopify announced a deeper partnership, I wanted, and I wanted to figure out why. So to start, I did a couple of things. I called two people who could point me in the right direction of links and things to, to read to understand APIs better, and then I found every article and podcast I could and dove in. In the post at notboring.co, there is an image of the Rome doc that I use to, to keep links and podcasts and all of that, and I take notes in there. Each gray dot has rows and rows of notes collapsed under them. I try to absorb as much as possible and try to figure out what the interesting angle is. Sometimes there isn't one, and I need to start over. More often than not, I say there isn't, whine to Pooja that I'm not going to be able to send something out, and then sit in the basement reading and listening until something hits. Often, I'll try to outline what I'm going to write about in Google Docs. Most of the time, it looks empty. Again, there's an image in the post, but it's outline, empty, links, empty, chunk. I'm not an outline person. Instead, I just start writing. There's a little chunk in the outline doc that I included about Stripe and Shopify, and it seemed like a good enough hook to start with, so I went with it. Then I started my draft in Google Docs. And then I just write. I get blocked, I mess around on Twitter, I hang out with Pooja and Dave, I start writing again, complain that I'm not going to be able to get it done again and again. Then I get back in front of the computer, open up Figma to make some graphics and get the creative juices flowing. That helps. When I'm stuck writing, I'll pull data, make a chart, create an image, and at some point, I find some bolt of inspiration, some thread to pull on that will take me most of the way through the essay. Once I have a bad draft, I send it to Pooja and my brother Dan, and occasionally to my sister Megan if I really want it shredded, with some variation of this text. Just sent to both of you. It's long. Need to take a quick break, but still have a couple short sections to write. Would love thoughts, shredding, where to cut, specifics, I know the background is too long, etc. 
Sometimes Pooja edits, Dan always does. He's a hero. The thing I love about having my brother as my editor is that he's not afraid to tell me when something is terrible. And the reason I like Dan specifically as my editor is because he thinks about all this stuff as much as me and can give me input on the content as well as the structure of the form. Then I pace around nervously while Dan edits. Sometimes he rips them apart. Sometimes he tells me they're actually good and gives a few copy edits. This is normally Sunday night. Then I read through, make the edits, leave notes for what to do in the morning, and go to sleep. I wake up around 5.30 a.m. on Monday, read through with fresh eyes, make more changes, and make any last graphics, like the title image. Then I copy it over from Google Docs to Substack, open up the script, and read the whole thing into the mic for the audio version, like I'm doing right now. Sometimes I run out of time and need to hit send before finishing the audio version, in which case I send, tweet, and go back to recording. I publish the audio version, go upstairs, fret over my open rate and how many likes my tweet about the essay got, and then I take a couple hours off and start over for Thursday. Every single week. In August, I tweeted something about my writing process, that it's this like windy curve and every week I'm worried that it's all going to end. Eight months later, doing this every week, it's still the same. It's a psychological roller coaster. I legitimately think it's all over every week. That may never change, and I think not boring will be okay as long as it doesn't. Lesson. You should take no lessons from my process. <laughs> Business model. Optimize for growth and opportunity. Somehow, despite that process, not boring has survived and grown. Growth is one side of the coin, but growth alone doesn't put food on the table, and it's an awful lot of work to do for free. So the second goal that I laid out in May 2020 was to start making money. Goal two. Make enough money from the newsletter to cover rent. Here's what I wrote. Within the next six months, I want to launch a paid version of the newsletter. By this time next year, I want to be making enough money from it to cover rent or mortgage payments. The passion economy is taking off, enabling thousands to make a living off of what they create. Personally, I love the idea that covering the basics, doing something that I love, will allow me to take bigger swings elsewhere. At the time, after listening to all the Substack hype around subscriptions, I assumed that I too would charge people to read the newsletter. Ultimately, I decided that that was wrong for not boring. Why? As with everything, there's not one right answer for everyone. The key is this. Your product, growth strategy, and business model need to be connected. Both subscription and advertising-based models have pros and cons, and make sense for different types of writers. Subscriptions have pros and cons. Pro. Generate predictable cash flows. Pro. Allow writers to focus on writing quality content for their core audience instead of optimizing for clicks. The argument goes. Pro. Subscription-based writers aren't beholden to their advertisers and can therefore write whatever they want without fear of retribution. Con. Harder to grow because all the content is behind a paywall. Con. People will only pay for so many subscriptions. Con. When someone subscribes for a year, you need to write for a year. And it's good for topics with a clear focus, especially work-related ones that can be expensed. Advertising does too. Pro. Free content means readers can share and drive growth. Pro makes content more broadly accessible. Another way to look at it is that advertisers are paying for everyone's subscription. Pro, writers can experiment and dance around more since people didn't pay for a particular type of content. Pro, optionality. Con, you need to spend time doing ad sales and writing ad copy. Con, ads take space that people need to read before getting to the meat. It's good for more general content with wider appeal. For not boring, a few things pushed me over to the sponsorship side where I happily live to this day. One, product and content. Not boring is a little all over the place. It's not focused on a particular niche. The most successful subscription newsletters are focused. Pomp writes about Bitcoin. Lenny writes about product management. Webb writes about commerce. Mario writes about tech from idea to IPO. Ian writes about fintech and Polina writes profiles. A less clear focus means that it's harder for people to justify expensing not boring. 
growth. Not Boring grows mainly through word of mouth. Putting the best content behind a paywall means that people can't share the best stuff. I want as many people as possible to read and share what I write. And math. I did some rough math when I was making the decision, and I realized that I could probably make a lot more money over time with sponsorships, assuming that keeping the newsletter free meant growing faster. And if you want to run the model with your own assumptions, I included a Google Sheet in the doc subscriptions versus ad model. And that's at notboring.co. It turns out that I undershot a little bit. Sponsorships were definitely the right call for not boring. But how to find sponsors? First, fake it until you make it. I did cost per acquisition deals with the hustle and readwise. I only got paid if I drove results. They were not big money, but they were examples I could point to and say, yes, yes, of course, I have a booming advertiser base. Second, rely on a little help from friends. Ankur Nagpal, the founder and CEO of Teachable and a good friend, read Not Boring and said he wanted to sponsor it to promote Teachable's Share What You Know Summit. Third, put it out into the universe. Pooja was infinitely patient with me, seven months pregnant and married to a free newsletter writer who hadn't made a dime. She gently suggested that I make a deck and use it to start selling sponsorships. Finally, I listened. I surveyed Not Boring readers to learn more about their backgrounds, professions, and preferences, and with examples of previous sponsorships in hand, put together a rough sponsorship deck. Instead of doing outbound sales, because I hate selling, once I had the deck, I decided to tweet it out into the universe. The Twitter thread worked. It brought in all of the sponsors for the rest of 2020, including today's sponsor, Public, and other not boring sponsors that you know and love. From there, sponsorship is spread like the newsletter itself through word of mouth. Today, not boring makes money directly in two ways. Top of newsletter sponsorships. This is the sponsorship format that you're familiar with from newsletters and media everywhere. 150 words and a logo at the top of the newsletter. I charge a little more for Mondays than Thursdays because Mondays tend to go more viral. I picked rates out of thin air in the beginning and then up them at Jacob Donnelly's suggestion. I've grown rates in line with the audience size ever since. And sponsor deep dives. A couple times a month, I dedicate a Thursday newsletter to a paid deep dive on some of the startups I think are most fascinating or encapsulate an important trend. The companies I've written about would make a strong venture portfolio. Ramp, Main Street, Pipe, Masterworks, Fundrise, Alto IRA, UserLeap, and SecureFrame, with some more great companies on the way. This format was a risk. Sponsored content can be hit or miss, and people generally have mixed feelings about it. It's particularly challenging for me because I'm so naturally optimistic. When I write a sponsored deep dive, I try to write it in the same way that I'd write a normal Monday post, but since I'm being paid, I get feedback that I need to be even more critical about the company than I normally would. Generally, though, these sponsored deep dives have gotten more positive feedback than I was expecting and give people behind-the-scenes looks at companies that don't normally share much information publicly. They're here to stay, and I'm going to be tweaking and evolving these based on feedback in the coming, coming months. So far, sponsorships have proven to be the right path for Not Boring. After many months of generating no revenue, the business side of, boring is starting, of Not Boring is starting to pick up steam, and April is set to be the best month yet. And there's a revenue graph without numbers in the post at notboring.co. Not boring is going better than I expected and just an inflection point, and I'm incredibly grateful for that. One of the challenges with the newsletter business, though, is that there's key man risks. To a potential buyer or investor, that means it's a tough investment because if I get hit by a bus, the business is dead. That's even tougher for me and my family. If I get hit by a bus, well, yeah. That means even though this is my own business, I'm still the labor, and we all know that capital makes more money than labor. Fortunately, the happy accident of the decision to stay free is that Not Boring's increased surface area has opened up new and unexpected opportunities, the most exciting of which is the ability to invest in startups together. Lesson, 
When your business model, product, and growth strategy align, magic happens. The Not Boring Syndicate Back in June, my friend Fed Novikov reached out. After some time running the backyard project at Airbnb's Samara, he and his brother, Peter, were starting their own company, Apt. Fed and I had discussed the natively integrated approach before, and the Novikovs were using it to build their business. He asked if I would be up to write about Apt and why the natively integrated approach makes sense for real estate development. I was. We also talked to Jonathan Wasserstrom, who runs a leading Angelus syndicate, and he agreed to syndicate the deal. In July, I wrote the first Not Boring Investment Memo, Apt, the natively integrated developer, and accredited readers were able to invest through Jonathan's syndicate. It went well, and Fed suggested that I start a syndicate for Not Boring. I hadn't thought about doing anything venture-related before he suggested it, but agreed there was a compelling opportunity. On one side, I could help founders explain what they do. On the other, I could demystify startup investing, which seemed like a dark art reserved for a chosen few. Just writing about companies is one thing, but putting my money where my mouth is and giving readers the opportunity to do the same gave me more skin in the game. Plus, I thought we could give portfolio companies an early advantage by helping them tell their story to potential customers, employees, and investors. In late July, we launched the Not Boring Syndicate with a memo on Composer. Since then, over 900 Not Boring readers have joined the syndicate, and together we've invested $1.88 million in 14 startups. The things that we hoped would happen, companies can attract customers, employees, and investors, are actually happening. Plus, having a big group of investors and a loud microphone behind you can tip the scales in a founder's favor. As an added bonus, the syndicate has been a fun way to let readers participate and build relationships without launching a traditional community. Michael Batnick wrote about the experience as an LP and everything is oversubscribed. That made my week. Until the day we sent the app memo, I never imagined that Not Boring would be able to invest in the companies I write about. Even though I worked at a startup, I was still very much an operator and an outsider. As I hope comes across in my writing, I'm consistently blown away by the companies people build. I know how hard it is. I failed when I tried to do it myself. This is just the beginning of Not Boring as an investor. More to come on that front very soon. Lesson. More people getting involved in startup investing shifts the balance of power to founders where it should be. The Not Boring Flywheel Practically everything good that's happened for Not Boring so far has been a happy accident. For someone who spends so much time writing about strategy, I put surprisingly little thought into the strategy behind Not Boring. It's just a newsletter. But over the past few months, I think mainly because I'm doing something that I genuinely love doing, analyzing companies and telling their stories, so when adjacent opportunities arise, I seize them, things have started to come together in powerful ways. Not Boring is developing a flywheel. In early March, Jake, Sing Jake Singer wrote a piece on Not Boring called Million Dollar Newsletter, in his newsletter, The Flywheel. I didn't want to do the piece originally because I thought I would come across as an asshole for having an essay written on me. Not Boring and I are one and the same. It's different than a normal company. But here I am, 5,000 words into writing about myself, so we're past asshole level now, and the Not Boring Flywheel is worth exploring. Jake wrote, Packy's a better investor because of his writing, and he's a better writer because of investing. You can't make up a better flywheel, even if you tried. And then he put a picture of the flywheel, and I think he nailed it. But I want to give a concrete example of how it works and how I decide what to do now that it's spinning. It starts with writing about tech companies and trends. Writing, or podcasting, TikToking, YouTubing, etc., attracts people who are interested in the same things you are. And people are the most important part of all of this. Putting your thoughts out there also repels people who don't like the way you think. That helps too. It saves time. So writing essays led me to reconnect with Fed, which led me to write the aft memo, which led to the syndicate. Invest memos for the syndicate showed other startups that I could help tell their story, regardless of whether they're raising. That's how sponsored deep dives were born. 
working closely with companies on sponsored deep dives has created some of my strongest relationships in tech, led to investment opportunities for the syndicate, and introductions to more companies to write about and invest in. Thanks especially to Nick Abazid and Mike Wenner for spreading the word about Not Boring. They also pay the bills and give me access to companies building the future, which means I can do this full-time and informs my Monday essays, which kicks the whole thing off again. As the flywheel spins, the audience grows, which gives Not Boring access to new ideas, people, and companies, and hopefully makes Not Boring more useful to readers, partners, and portfolio companies. As I think about what's next for Not Boring, new things need to feed the flywheel. Lesson, flywheels work, even if they're accidental. The present and future of Not Boring. I hope I've made this clear throughout, but if I haven't, let me say it again. I find it incredibly fucking wild that so many of you read the words that I write. I still view this newsletter today as just a bigger version of the little thing that it was a year ago with a few friends and random internet people. But I also realize that with more readers comes more responsibility. That said, I am not a journalist. I'll never lie, and I'll always tell the truth, but what I said at the top of the first Not Boring newsletter remains true today. A bit of housekeeping. If you're looking for doom and gloom about everything that's going on, you've come to the wrong place. We only do optimistic takes here. The only things I'm not optimistic about are cynics and, well, actually, people. It's easy to dunk. It's easy to look smart, saying why things aren't going to work. But those people are not our people. Not boring is for the optimists and for the people trying to make crazy things happen. I'm definitely going to be biased. I'm going to have the backs of the companies in which we invest and the companies that support Not Boring. So what's next for Not Boring? The answer is, just like a year ago, I have no idea. Unlike a year ago, though, I have 365 days of not knowing, growing, and figuring it out under my belt, and I'm ecstatic to see where serendipity leads us over the next 365. What I do know is that I unapologetically want Not Boring to be a big business. I want to blur the lines between analyzing, experimenting with, investing in, and promoting the companies and products that I can't stop thinking about. I want to help companies tell their stories. In the immediate future, there are a few things I'm incredibly excited about. I can't share details on two of them quite yet, but one involves investing and the other involves experimenting with some of the Web3 tech I've written about. Both are expressions of power to the person. Expect more Twitter spaces, Spaces Cadets with Austin Reef, and the Idea Dinner with Mario Gabriel and Acquired's Ben Gilbert and David Rosenthal. Long Twitter. I'll also probably start building a little infrastructure under Not Boring. A new website, maybe a part-time employee or two, perhaps an EA, just in case I get hit by a bus. Mostly, though, I'm just going to keep writing and following this thing wherever it takes me. When I asked for questions that my Twitter followers had about Not Boring, Tom Critchlow, one of the first Not Boring subscribers and a great writer himself, replied with this. Amazing, congrats. I remember meeting for coffee and talking about buying real estate for a learning club. Feels like you iterated your way into the not boring biz and would love to see you explore that, your mindset along the way, etc. He's right. This has been an entirely iterative process. There have been big ups and even the littlest down feels like the end of the world, but I've tried to listen to your feedback to move it in the right direction. This only works if we're all into it. I've gone from having one boss to 42,200. Let's keep iterating and building this together. Thank you. This is just a newsletter, and I probably spilled way too many words on it, but I'm bewildered and grateful to have this opportunity. It wasn't guaranteed by any stretch of the imagination, and it still isn't, but I wouldn't even have a chance without all of you who gave me your time each week, everyone who's helped grow Not Boring by sharing essays and saying nice things, Nathan and Dan for bringing together the Type House and giving me the opportunity to meet so many people who I've read and loved for a long time, Tommy for kickstarting Not Boring's growth, 
everyone who's written guest posts, Ali, Jeremy, Ruben, Gil, Dan, everyone who's collaborated with me on posts, Ben, Dror, Mark, Ryan, sponsors who let me tell their story, founders who let the Not Boring Syndicate join their adventure, my mom for being my coach, my sister for telling me when I'm an idiot and for letting us invest in her company, and my dad for bouncing ideas back and forth and being supportive about me writing a free newsletter after everything he spent on my education, my in-laws who let me turn their basement into Not Boring HQ, and finally, there are two people I couldn't do this without for, and for whom I'm incredibly grateful. My brother Dan for being my thought partner, calling me on my bullshit, and giving up countless weekends and late night hours to edit nearly every not boring essay this year. And my wife, Pooja, for letting me take a big risk on writing this with no income for months and months as I told her, trust me, it's just a math problem. Once I hit a certain number of subscribers, I'll be able to make a little money, even with a baby on the way. Now that Dave is here, I couldn't ask for a better mom for him. Thanks for putting up with my moaning every week while doing a hundred times more than I do and making it look easy and looking good while doing it all. Thanks everyone for a not boring year. Promise to not write about me for another 365 days. We're back on Thursday with an incredible behind the scenes look at one of the most interesting funding rounds that's come together in recent memory. Talk to you then. Have a great week. And thank you.